Welcome to I Hadn't Considered That. I'm Vanessa Torrey, and each week I'll be joined by guests whose perspectives and uncommon experiences can help us better understand each other and the world around us. The unique and inspiring stories you'll hear will make you feel connected to parts of people and life that you hadn't yet considered. Until now. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to I Hadn't Considered That. Thank you so much for joining me today. Man, do we have a lot to dive into today. Today, we are going to be getting way deep into humanity. I'm going to be talking with my friend Robert Thornton, who has an awe-inspiring charity called Cloud Covered Streets. This organization is changing the way we serve the homeless population and how we think about and interact with those less fortunate than us. The organization provides showers, care packages, laundry services, shoes, clothes, employment opportunities, haircuts, and compassion to those experiencing homelessness in Fort Worth and Phoenix. It's no secret that I am a serious empath who loves data. My brain is a weird place. This means that I want to understand the homeless population in human terms, but also in terms of data. So I did some digging for information on the homeless population, and I will link to this resource in the show notes. Some of this information very deeply bothered me. I'm not going to lie. I had to take a time out and cry for a minute. I'm not going to candy coat this information. I make no apologies about that because there is no way to candy coat homelessness. These are facts that we need if we're going to commit ourselves to seeing those who are experiencing homelessness differently. If this info doesn't convince you that we have a problem on our hands, I can't help you. Let me share some information that I found out. First, according to 2020 numbers, so keep in mind that this is still a little bit pre-pandemic, the number of homeless people in the United States was around 553,000 people. That is roughly the size of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This, however, equates to 0.2% of the American population, which kind of blows my mind. We are struggling to solve a problem for 0.2% of the population. The majority of those experiencing homelessness are under the age of 50 years old, and that is 70% of the population that's experiencing homelessness. That's not really surprising when you take into consideration that the life expectancy of someone experiencing homelessness is only 50 years. These people have no health care. They live in extreme conditions. They are outside and subject to the wrath of Mother Nature. 20% of homeless individuals are kids. Interestingly, and this is the part that absolutely killed me, 42% of street kids identify as LGBT. And I just have a hard time saying that because that is a population of people who had no choice in where they are. Somebody else made that decision for them and I'm not okay with that. What I'm not okay with as well is that 60% of the homeless population are male and 40% of that population are veterans. That equates to 132,000 people that are homeless in our country who have served our country. So maybe we need to take a small break from congratulating ourselves and patting ourselves on the back over how much we love our troops. Of the homeless population, 65% are in shelters. So 35% are living on the streets. They are truly unsheltered. They have nothing. That equates to 100 
193,000 people that go to bed every night sleeping on the ground out in the weather without anything to their name. Those are the folks that we are going to be talking about today. And I really hope that you take the experiences that Robert relays and what he has learned in his service and through his organization and carry it with you. And the next time that you see somebody that is on the streets, you see them in a way you had not considered. Welcome, Robert. Thank you so much for joining me today. I generally will start every episode with the same question because this is really a podcast about stories and experiences. And what I want to do is bring you to the listeners and have you share your story, not only yours, but that of your nonprofit, Cloud Covered Streets, and what that means to you and how it started. And so what can you share with us about your story? All right. Uh, again, well, thank you for having me. My name is Robert Thornton, and I am the executive director of Cloud Covered Streets. We are a 501c3 nonprofit. We are based here in Phoenix, and we have a focus on helping those that are experiencing homelessness. And we got started just by random chance. I was just driving around town because I have a I have another business called Paper Clouds Apparel that's a clothing company that helped the special needs community. So through that business I was always driving around town. In Phoenix we have a very large homeless population. Would see them everywhere. And one day just happened to pull up to an intersection, saw a guy wearing what could loosely be called a shirt. I mean it was originally probably a black t-shirt, but it had just holes in it and it had been so baked by the sun that it was like this this light brown color and you could just see like just the layers of sweat like sedentary rock it was rough and i just saw him and i was like you have an apparel company you you need to do something to help these people so i never had any real idea at that time of starting a nonprofit i was just like uh oh, something to do to you know to help some people and there was definitely some uh still some self-servingness to that even where i was like oh i'll just buy a bunch of t-shirts and I'll print the Paper Clouds Apparel logo on them, give those out to these people. They get a brand new clean t-shirt. I get a bunch of walking billboards. It's a win-win for everybody. So the very first time that we went out, it was October 14th, 2015. And I want to do something more than just bring a shirt. So I also brought what we call letters of hope, where I had people send in just handwritten, just letters of encouragement, things that you would want to be able to read if you were experiencing homelessness. And so the first day we went out, it was a shirt and a letter. And again, even at this point, I was like, oh, I'm just going to hand these out. And, you know, that'll be my, my good deed and feel, feel good about myself. But the second person that I met just changed my life. And he, he didn't even have a shirt on and he hadn't had a shirt for a week. And I was like, what? You haven't had a shirt for a week? And so I was like, all right, I want to do more. And so then it would be a shirt a letter, and then a pair of socks. And then the next time we went out, it was a pair of underwear added to the mix. And then we started adding hygiene bags to the mix and just had conversations with people and asked them what they really needed. And so many people said a shower. So then in uh, 2020, we built our first mobile laundry and shower trailer, which we take out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and provide showers, laundry, haircut, and employment to those experiencing homelessness. And we, we launched in Phoenix, August 31st, 2020. 
And now we actually have our second trailer that is operating in Fort Worth, Texas. Congratulations on the second trailer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's so amazing. I know how hard you've worked to make that happen. So I've been out, I think twice now yeah. to come and volunteer and there will be links in the show notes to the website so that people can see what the shower looks like and to some of the social media, because I really want people to see how incredible this thing is. Cause it's really awesome. What I realized though, and you touched on on the tangible part of it, right? You're going out there and you're providing showers to folks, but what you're doing is providing something more than just the showers. Tell us about that because being out there and volunteering was a, just a life-changing experience for me. So tell us about the untangible experience and service. Yeah. And the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand that I always have to try and make people really do understand is that the services that we provide, the showers, the haircut, the jobs, uh, all of that, that's that's secondary. Uh, that That's just our way of getting people to come out and visit our trailer because our, our number one goal is to connect with these people and just to let them know that somebody cares about them right. and that we value them as a human being. When you're really in that situation and immersed in that life, you begin to believe that you are less than human because that's you, how you are treated. You start to believe that you deserve that life. So our, our number one goal of what we do is to really build their self-esteem up and let them know that your, your current situation doesn't have to be here forever. And if, if you want out of this, let's see if we can make that happen. It takes so many trips to see us before they even really will start to open up because they're so guarded and, and so jaded and they don't believe that anybody really cares about them. It takes a couple of visits for them to really like understand that I don't want anything from you. We just want to help sure. you and want to get to know you and learn your name, have conversation with you and just let you know that somebody is excited to see you and that somebody cares that you're just simply alive because so many of them don't believe that. Just kind of stood out to me. As you were saying that and talking about the two different experiences. So you had this initial experience of going out and giving people clothing, shoes, which is great. And you're helping them. People at the holidays love to go out and they will go to the soup kitchen. They will serve Thanksgiving to the homeless. And then they go home and they don't think about it for the next 364 days. I think that there's so much geared toward helping homeless that is transactional. What you're talking about is not in any way transactional. When there's a transaction, there's a giver and there's a receiver. And it's hard because one is at an elevation so much higher than someone else. There's the recognition of we are in positions in life and, and you are above me and the reinforcement for them, which just feels shitty. Well, and, and I think that one thing that you touched on that, that I want to go back to is the lack of belief that they have that we just want to help them and don't want something from them. Because I remember when I first started going out, when I was just going out on street missions and people would always ask like, oh, well, what, what church are you from? And I'm like, no, man, I'm not from a church. We just want to help people helping other people. So I think that helped them because unfortunately, most outreach programs that have a religious base to them, they'll come out and give them, Here, here's a crumb. If you want the rest of the sandwich, you got to you got to come and sit through our service on Sunday. It's absurd. There's some services that we are not eligible to receive grant-wise that could be life-changing for our organization, but we don't get them because we won't operate under a certain system where we won't make people have to have a badge and check in when they use our services. So we have tangible numbers that then they can turn in to justify their money. 
if you look at a lot of the major shelters, if people want to receive any help from that shelter, they have to fill out a ton of paperwork. They have to have a badge. They have to check in and scan in. A really good point. When I first volunteered, I became evangelical about what you were doing. And I was just blown away by it because I had such an experience that touched me. But when I shared it with some people, I still got a response that I had heard time and time again, that there's a trust issue. People will pull up to an underpass and there's the guy with the sign and this weird part of our conscience kicks in that says that guy needs help, but I'm not going to help him because there's a lack of trust in place there. But what I don't think most people consider is exactly what you just said, is that there's a lack of trust on the other side of the table too. 100%. I would say that their lack of trust highly exceeds the lack of trust that house people might have of them. Wow. Just because uh, so many of them are jaded because they have been taken advantage of, have been lied to, have been given fake promises by people, by other organizations. And a lot of them just have a yeah. really, really just you know, a, a sour taste in their mouth towards humanity as a whole, maybe. And rightfully so, just with the way that the majority of them are just treated by the masses. Right. Well, and it goes back to the, the transactional idea. It's not reciprocation out of altruism, right? That yeah. people are helping and that other people are receiving help. There's no two-way road. It's kind of like walking side by side, but not looking at each other. I acknowledge you're here. You acknowledge I'm here, but we're not getting to the same point. Yeah. Part of that is breaking through the boundary of those different roles, right? So something that I want to touch on regarding those roles, I've known you always to use one phrase, which is those experiencing homelessness. And you know me in that if anything in the world that is important to me, it is words. Yeah. Words are critical, especially the words that we use in connection with people, because that is the tool that we use to either connect or disconnect, yeah. right? When you just say homeless, it's forever. You're really labeling them as that's all they are and they're never going to be out of that. I, I, I like to use just experiencing homelessness because in my mind that in a perfect world, this is just a point in their life. We all go through rough patches, man. This is just an experience in their life, but I believe that they have the potential to not be experiencing that and to have a roof over their head and, and to be living a productive life, whatever, whatever that means. If that person does want better, then man, let's talk it up. Let's try and put a plan together, see if we can make that happen, you know. But if you don't want anything more, who the hell am I to tell any human being the right way to live their life? You're talking about part of their life and what they're going through. And I like the fact that you put the fine point on it being a temporary situation. I don't think that we should identify people as adjectives, right? Because when you say Joe is homeless, that becomes Joe's identity. That is not only his permanent state of living, yeah. that becomes his permanent state of being. And that's really easy for Joe then to accept that as who he is and not move forward, right? 100%. 
one of the things that I have also heard, there is this idea out there that they're lazy, they don't want to get a job. Yeah. And that is not what I saw when I came out and volunteered at the trailer. I didn't see any of that. I don't know where we all got this stereotype from, but since I can remember, and I don't know if it's TV, I don't know if it's media, I don't know if it's just all of those combined, we all have this idea, that belief that, oh, well, they all want that and that they're all drug addicts and that they're all alcoholics and that we need to be scared of them and that they're all dangerous. It's just so strange how far apart, you know, on the spectrum, the truth is and what we're led to believe uh, what homelessness is and what what people are like that are experiencing homelessness. It's always fun for me to have people volunteer for like the first time and then come up to me later and be so blown away at the fact that so many of the people that we serve and that we help, if if they were sitting next to you at a coffee shop after a shower and haircut and they're all clean and, and in clo clean clothes, you'd have no idea. Yeah. They were experiencing homelessness. And it's something that I would just want people to know. We're all human beings. We all go through really hard times in our life. I think that so many of the people that end up experiencing homelessness, a lot of them weren't given the right tools yeah. to know how to deal with things when things get hard and when something really bad happens and they don't have the tools to know how to handle it they can just kind of go into a little bit of a spiral and then the the really frustrating part is that once you experience homelessness for any amount of time any mental health issue that you might have had and we all fucking have them but when you end up on the streets for any amount of time it's just going to exponentially increase your mental health issues because you're never getting eight hours of sleep at night. You are, your brain is never getting the type of rest that it needs to help fight all the battles that we need to fight to try and uh, maintain any semblance of, of, of sanity. So you're not getting the right amount of sleep. Obviously your nutrition, you're not getting the food that you need. You probably don't have a lot of real strong relations in your life because you're not trusting the people, even though you, you may talk to them, but the street people are really terrible to each other, unfortunately, a lot of the time. Well, there's a survivalism. Well, 100%. And that's another thing that people don't really understand the switch that you have to flip in your brain when you begin to experience the homelessness. We can make plans for tomorrow, next week, next month, even next year. When you're on the streets, your whole entire life runs around making it until tomorrow. The masses, they don't know this. Yeah. They don't take it into account when they're dealing with people and understanding the way that they may act is in a way where they're going to try and get as much as they can because they don't know when they're going to get it again. Part of me has to be forgiving in that. You have to understand they're not running their life from the same playbook that we are. You have to give them a little bit more uh, leeway and grace where you still have to hold them accountable and don't let them just be an asshole. But I get it, man. Like I've got food in my fridge. You can take a couple extra sandwich bags if you want, man. We're all trying to thrive. They're just trying to survive. And that is such a massive distance. I struggle anytime that I hear others put down how somebody handles a situation that they've never had to go through right? So I have no room to speak if I've not been in that situation. What I need to do is get into my most empathetic self in order to try and figure that out. But I was amazed at how openly people told me their story. Yeah. 
And yeah. I think that was one of the first times that I realized that there was a commonality in every single story. And I remember one of the young men that I talked to, he was very open about what happened to him and why he was there. And this isn't some kid that was living in a nice house. This kid grew up in a home where his mother beat him every day. And after so many years of dealing with it at 17, he left. What abused 17 year old is going to move into the world and have any shot at being successful in any way, shape or form? No, no. There's no support. Right. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to criticize this kid and we're going to look down on this kid for having to survive since a very young age. And one of the things that I recognized was the intersection was trauma, right? 100%. These folks that are on the streets have something that is horrible that has happened to them. Well, that's the, the biggest connection that I've found between almost everybody that I've had a real conversation with the experience in homelessness, they're people who in their earlier life, before they became on the streets, they didn't have a bunch of strong connections in their life. Because no matter what happens, if you lose your job, lose a parent, it's a bad divorce, whatever the issue may be that caused a lot of these people to end up on the streets, if you have a lot of strong connections in your life, they're going to take care of you. But if you're one of those people that don't have people that you can lean on, and when bad shit happens to you, you're like, fuck it, because there's really no other option. Right. Your life completely changes and shifts when you go into survival mode. One of the the craziest things that I now know that I had really never even thought about until I got more immersed in this culture is how many people that are on the streets now that had never even tried drugs before they became homeless. It makes sense. You know, if you're experiencing homelessness and you're trying your hardest to get back on your feet, but you can't get a job, nobody's going to help you. And then you just, you just lose that hope in your life. And 24 hours a day just absolutely fucking sucks. And somebody comes up to you like, hey, man, here, try this. It'll, it'll make you feel better for at least a little while. You have nothing to lose. I can forget about how terrible my existence at the moment is. You know, it's an escape for a little bit. And so they tried that first time and now they're hooked. And now they have a, a drug issue on top of their living situation. Let's be real. John, who's got a stressful day at work, he stops at the bar on the way home. Right. The kids go to bed. The kids are asleep. Mom opens up the bottle of wine because that becomes the coping mechanism. It's just a completely different situation when someone doesn't have a roof over their head. Because they're in front of us. You know, the millionaire can do it in his mansion. But when your life is as hard as there is and they feel like they need an escape, because again, there is no hope. That light at the end of the tunnel, it's either out or it's really, really dim. What our main goal is to try and get that, that light either flicked back on or burning brighter for the people that we connect with. So what do we do to get that light flipped back on? Where do we start and what are we doing wrong? Well, I think that obviously the connection part is the biggest part. It's just having conversation with them wherever this conversation goes, just getting them to believe again that they are a, a normal human being and that they're truly seen and heard and that they have a voice and their opinion is, is respected, that they have value. 
And so that is huge. But then also, obviously, if you don't have the money to be really cared for the way that so many of these people do, and that and that's to me is the most heartbreaking thing is when I see people that no matter what I did for them, I can't help them. That's the hard part. And that's where it makes me angry about the frivolous way that our country wastes money on things that don't fucking matter. And yet on human beings, we don't want to spend money. Like this 2024 trip to the moon that NASA is going to award some $10 billion project doesn't help anything. That doesn't help humanity. Hey man, how about we put tens of billions of dollars into mental health facilities, free mental health care across this country and do something to actually help the people. That's a ripple effect too. There's need for mental health care across the board. So we've got connection first. We've got mental health care second. What else do we do to breathe life back into folks? Public service announcements about the reality of what homelessness is and just public education of what it's really like and not the nonsense that we've been fed So we have to change our narrative. 100% we do. It's funny, we have such different objectives depending on the crowd that we're speaking to, where with the people that we're serving, our goal is connection. While meanwhile, to the public, we want to educate and humanize people and awake them to the reality of what it really is and understand the best way that they can help people that are experiencing homelessness. And and again, it's such simple thing. Next time you're in Target, you know, or Walmart, buy an extra 10 pack of socks and just keep that in your past seat and when you pull up to an intersection you see somebody that's holding a sign you give them a brand new pair of socks and i guarantee you're going to get a big smile and thank you if we all just did little things to just be a little bit better not everybody needs to be doing grandiose massive things but just it's the little things that that make a difference Well, and I've seen that with your organization. One of the things that I don't know if you mentioned in the beginning that I want to make sure that people understand, especially because I know that you do need volunteers. And if anybody is listening and wants to volunteer with Cloud Covered Streets, I think that everybody needs to do it at least once because you do see this human side to that. But one of the things that I've seen that is so cool is that with different volunteers coming, different volunteers are connecting in different ways. And I have seen folks painting other folks nails that's our girl Lindsay joe like Lindsay will literally like get on her hands and knees and like clean somebody's feet and like give them a pedicure oh my god like, i see her and i'm like man nope like i'm not even doing that but she just dives right in it's so incredible one of our last times that she was out with us there was a guy tj who was just he needed a shower but he again he didn't trust anybody she walked around the block with this man for an hour and a half, just talking with him, getting me to feel comfortable. But the next thing you know, he's getting a haircut, getting a shower, and, and his day is made better. Again, like our volunteers, they're just, they're incredible. Like we're nothing without them. I'm lucky enough to get to witness how kind these other people truly are, which is so great for me because as you know, like I am not the most personable person. I love humanity as a whole. I want the best for every single person on this planet but that doesn't mean i want them around me. right right that's good. i love humanity but i i don't know about people yeah, yeah i'm so grateful to have these volunteers what makes them feel better understand how important it is to have people in your life that are excited to see you <laughs> you right. know like how much that does for your mental well-being yeah 
I mean, I, I think, again, I think it's all wishful thinking at this point, but any sane person who has any attachment to humanity, they would be lying if you when you show the, the cost of living compared to what we're being paid. I, I always think about the sports analogy where a team is only as strong as its weakest player. A country can only be as strong as their weakest people. And as long as we continue going down the path where we're going, the number of people experiencing homelessness is going to continue to rise. And especially with with still being in this pandemic, and then you factor in the, the cost of living skyrocketing, it's, it's just going to continue to rise. If you look at people that were trying to get off the streets, that are trying to build up the resources, whether they're trying to get a job, they're trying to save money. When we see a 40% increase in rental rates, that removes any opportunity for those people to hit that goal. Well, and but the crazy thing is, is another thing that the masses just really don't think about is how difficult society has made it these days for people to get back on their feet. So say if I've been on the streets for eight months, but I managed to get a job at Burger King. So say I'm making $12 an hour, but I'm still homeless. Say I would have to work about two months to make enough to possibly get an apartment. That apartment, when they see my application, you know, oh, well, where have you been living in the past 10 months? Oh, well, where were you working during this point? Oh, we're not going to give it. They're they're not going to give a, a place to them anyways. And somewhere in Canada, they've got this incredible program running where they have these tiny houses. And if you want to live there, you have to have a job in the community. There are these little towns, you know, so they have a garden, they have, you know, little stores, but it helps these people because again, when you're on the streets and you have to have that mind shift, you forget schedules. You don't have to be anywhere at any certain time. So it's like, you kind of have to have a lot of, of retraining and reprogramming. You touched on something that's interesting that I hadn't thought about until when I was volunteering. There was a young man who I think was about 21 or so. He had just been jumped two nights before and they took his whole wallet. Again, it goes back to one of the things that I hear as a narrative is, well, they just need to get jobs. And you just touched on that. Like, even if you can get the job... What the hell are you going to put on an application as an address? I mean, forget about even asking where have you been living. He had no identification. How the hell is he going to get a job when he can't prove who he is? Yeah, yeah they just want a chance. Just somebody give him a chance. So lots of takeaways. I am going to link in the show notes to all sorts of things as far as resources. I want to be able to allow people to easily find your website. Can you tell us a little bit about the volunteer opportunities that you have, what days you're out, where you're out, and how people can sign up and what, what can people do to, to get started in volunteering? We go out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We always shift. We always go to different places. So the easiest way is just go to our website, which is cloudcoveredstreets.org. There'll be a little volunteer tab. You'll click on that. You'll choose either Phoenix or Fort Worth. Click on that. A calendar will pop up. Click on the days and it'll say, you know, you can either sign up as a volunteer or which we always need. Hopefully find some hair professionals because haircuts are such an important part of, of what we provide. You can sign up for one of those. For If you're just a volunteer, we have, as you mentioned, many different roles and we always like when people can want to float kind of around during that so they can be at the sign-in table initially 
meet a bunch of the people, get them signed in, get to have some fun conversations. Then they could be over by the tables where we have the food, water, where they can just kind of hang out while they're either waiting for their shower, waiting for their haircut. You can go over and hang out with the hairstylists and watch those transformations happen. You can be over by me where I'm handing out all their supplies. There's so many different ways and so many different just options for people to, to step up to volunteer and to really, again, understand what homelessness really is instead of what they may believe it is like without having really met some of the people. And and I think that everybody that comes and volunteers connects with at least one person and will have one person they walk away thinking about. So if we have folks that are outside of the Phoenix area, um, even outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, what can people do to help support the organization, whether it's funding or whether it's donations of tangible items? How can people outside of the Phoenix area become involved. Again, so same same website, cloudcoveredstreets.org, and there's a donate button. And again, we are always, always needing funding. So every single dollar is greatly, greatly appreciated. And again, if you are interested in possibly bringing a trailer to your, your city, we've now developed the blueprint and it's easy, replicatable. We've got the step-by-step process. We're working now on trailers in, in Vegas, Tucson, Oregon, Oklahoma City, Austin, and Nashville. We've got groups in all those cities that are just starting That's so exciting. Makes me so happy to see it. I think this is revolutionary. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. New episodes launch every Monday, so I hope you'll be back. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's several ways to show your support. First, by rating the podcast and leaving a review, you help others to find great content. Second, if you're looking for further connection, consider becoming a patron of the podcast, where you'll have a fun and interesting way to connect with others and even get more information on perspectives and things you may not have considered. Lastly, please share this podcast with a friend. The number one way that podcasts reach more people is through sharing and word of mouth. I appreciate you and your beautiful open mind. See you soon.